Hey guys, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a few different topics from an Instagram post that I put up for asking questions about topics and even some things that I've been processing with my friends. I'm super excited to jump in. But before I do, I want to make sure to note two things that'll be in the show notes. One of them will be if you're looking for a church and you don't have one, maybe you're just moved, maybe that you're just looking for something to fit more of you or style that you're looking for or whatever. There is going to be in the description a link that you can click and you'll be able to fill out a form. And in real time, like real seconds, you will be able to get connected to a local church. It's called Crossover. I actually work on the Crossover team. It's been a pleasure to connect over 13,000 people to a local church. It's absolutely incredible. Fill it out, get connected to a local church. And then on the other side of there will be some resources from my friend Sweb. He's an incredible church builder, church thinker. He's an incredible dude. Maybe if you're looking to have him come talk to your team, maybe you could buy one of his online courses, whatever. I just always want to make sure to give you guys resources that will be able to sow into you, sow into your church and the future of your church. So those things, yeah, I'm excited to jump in. Today, we're going to be talking, like I said, just a few hot button topics that I've seen kind of as a reoccurring theme on my social medias and even the comments of this podcast. Again, thank you so much for all of you guys who are liking and subscribing to this YouTube channel, to the podcast, all of these different things. It's super awesome to see the growth of this community in the future of this podcast. We're going to be uploading videos every single week, regardless of maybe we'll have guests on. It'll just be me. Maybe it'll be other people. It doesn't matter. It's called conversations because that's what we're doing. We're just opening a dialogue to be able to have with you, maybe you believe in Jesus, maybe you don't. This is catered towards people who believe in Jesus or maybe in ministry or in the business world, like entrepreneurs, business owners, that kind of niche. The people who have think there's more to life than just the mundane Monday through Friday. And, and that's not bad, but I want to help you guys think bigger and even just give some insights and perspectives of things that I've seen. Again, I'm not an expert at life, but I do have experiences that I want to share. So thank you so much. So jumping in, we're going to be talking about a couple different just hot button topics. And I want to give you my thoughts on it because many times what happens is when I process something and I'll post a, a post on social media, what ends up happening, and I'm sure it's happened to you, is people assume your intent behind something. They assume the bigger picture of what you're communicating. But we all know that that's impossible to do on social media. So this video, I want to kind of break down some things that I've seen that might be not offensive. I don't know the word hurt or just confused by what I'm communicating based on my observations of certain things. So just jumping in, I want to talk about motives. So I just made a post a couple of days ago about the importance of our motives. And it was very, it was an aggressive tone because I, quite frankly, I'm tired of people getting into ministry with wrong motives. And and I know that we're all work in progress. I, to be honest, probably got into ministry not with the wrong motives, but it, I literally had no idea what it looked like, what what actual ministry looked like. I just loved the local church and I loved serving people. But as we continue to grow in ministry, our motives can be shifted. And I just wanted to make sure people were realigned to people who follow me anyways or people who shared it, whatever, or saw it. And we got we got to know that our motives matter. And I recently saw a post about somebody using the scripture where Paul talks about how motives 
really don't matter because the gospel's still being preached. That's kind of the paraphrased version. But the reality is Paul was talking to a specific people. He's talking to two different people. And this is the two people that I'm talking to right now as well. There's people who have good intent. They're humble. They know that the message of Jesus needs to be shared. And there's other people who want to build their presence, their platform, their kingdom, meanwhile, preaching the gospel. And the reality is Paul is talking to a specific church and we can learn from Paul's writings, but the reality is the, the scripture where he's communicating that the motives don't matter in that setting because of the gospel isn't necessarily saying you should have bad motives and still preach the gospel. That would be obviously wrong in any context. We can see in First and Second Timothy and Titus a pretty clear, direct line of who we're supposed to be as preachers of the gospel, as leaders in ministry and in churches. Our motives do matter and our heart matters because what I've seen anyways or what I've observed is the people who have wrong motives, what ends up happening is, again, anything radical doesn't happen overnight. It happens 1% compounding over days, over months, over years. And what you don't realize is one degree off every single day for three years, you're actually not even close to where you wanted to be in the first place. And that's the way I think about motives. If our motives are realigned to where they're supposed to be, that's great. But if they aren't, what will end up happening? And if you don't have people in your life to be able to question that, our motives will actually be able to determine the future of the thing we're building. Your motive is just a reflection of your heart. Where is your heart at? And we know, God, that's really what he wants. He wants your heart. He wants you regardless if you're a lead pastor or maybe you just started serving on a hospitality team on a Sunday morning. It doesn't matter. Our motives do matter. They matter to God. So a couple things that I've observed that quite frankly grind my gears. I don't know how to say it other, other than that. I am sure I have a lot of other words, but is that we, ha- we have to get over the fact, the green room culture. And I'm, I'm not against green rooms. I just had coffee with my friend and these are some things we were talking about. I'm not against green rooms. I think green rooms are healthy. I think it's okay to be able to have a place for you before you communicate, be able to shift your mind to where you are and to be able to have some clarity because we all know services and events can be hectic, but we got to, the, the spirit that I'm talking about is the spirit that says, I don't need to be close in proximity to the people that I'm serving. And that just isn't going to work. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you have a church of 20,000 or 20. When you remove yourself from the people, you remove yourself of where God actually called you to be. He called you to be in the business of changing lives through him and people in your city, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your audience. Maybe you're online listening to this. It's You're called to an audience of specific people. But when you remove yourself from that audience, what ends up happening? is it shifts your eyes to them, to you. And all of a sudden, things that used to be easy to you, serving people, listening to people, getting coffee with people, tends to be a hindrance. And when the people in your life are the hindrance, you should not be in ministry. I don't know how else to say that. Ministry is what? Is shifting our eyes off of ourselves and helping people see that Jesus loves them, Jesus died for them. And when they give their life to him, and actually submit their lives and their future to him. And through your leadership, through your discipleship, they can actually become more like Jesus 
which at the end is our goal, right? We, I love, I love that we all have shared values. I love that we all have mission statements, but we really don't need to rewrite what God already wrote. He gave us a great commission and a great commandment, and that's all we need. You need to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're doing those two things, you're winning. So motives do matter. And if you have felt convicted about your motives, don't feel bad. Like we don't, we don't give into a spirit of shame or can just condemnation, but power, love, and sound mind. And Romans 8, 1, right? God is not a uh, condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? So you're in Christ Jesus. Don't feel condemnation. Don't feel shame. Feel it and understand that feeling, that sorrow, that hurt should be shifted towards the people. Because if you're not feeling that, if you're feeling numb towards it, that's an even bigger picture problem. So your motives matter if you are in ministry and you can actually, with a 100% guarantee, say, I am in ministry to serve people. I can serve without being seen, and I actually have a healthy fear of being on a platform at a pedestal, because we're not supposed to have platforms, we're supposed to be platforms. You're not supposed to have a platform. I'm sorry. The platform isn't yours in the first place, but you want to be a platform. You want to be a platform that people can stand on and they can go higher than you. So your motives do matter. Two, kind of jumping in, revival. It was about two, I don't know, probably two or three months ago, I made a Facebook post and on Instagram about revival. And I said, again, it's kind of more of an aggressive tone. I said, revival, I kind of said aggressive. I said, newsflash, the word revival isn't in the Bible. And I also spoke to the laziness of the concept of that. And it it exploded in a good and bad way. It gave exposure to something that I think a specific, not, I think we all kind of chase it, but I, I wanted to help people get a perspective of what are we doing? Like, number one, the word revival literally is not in the Bible. I don't know how else to say that. I had some guy literally use one translation and it was revive. And that's very different than the concept of revival. And I understand that the essence of revival is in scripture, the essence of the book of Acts where thousands got saved and the spirit of the Lord fell upon them. I get that. That is not what I'm communicating. What I'm communicating is the desire to sit in a room and pray for revival is like saying, God, give me a job, but the place across the street says hiring makes zero sense to me. And maybe you're saying, hey, Josh, I actually disagree. I would love to, I would love to have a conversation with you. Maybe not on the podcast conversations, but maybe FaceTime or a Zoom call or in, in person if you're listening to this in California. Let's go. Revival is okay. That concept, the essence is written all over scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Go read the book Mission in the Old Testament. It's the whole point is sharing Jesus and thousands or even one. That is what we do. We're in the business of giving people opportunities to give their life to Jesus. But for us to just sit and hope and pray to God, saying, God, send revival. He's saying, I did. It's you. I sent you. I sent you. I called you. Now go share my message. Like 
he's not he's not waiting. God's not saying, I'm just waiting for over once their attendance, their prayer attendance hits 313, then I'll give people the opportunity to give their life to me. That like what that doesn't even make sense to me. It's again the essence of revival is fine, but the spirit of laziness of just hoping and praying that God would send people makes zero sense to me. We are supposed to what? Go into the world and make disciples of all nations. He's he gave you a commission. He literally, I don't know, maybe maybe I just missed it. He did not say sit in your church building and pray for 10 hours a day for lost people to come home. I think it's I think it's great you should pray for people to for their hearts to open to Jesus. I understand that God is the one who does the the saving and the redeeming. But he also commissioned us to go into the world and share the love of Jesus, preach the gospel, and to build disciples. Because the reality is, events are good. Events are not bad, but they are not primary resource of God's church. They aren't. It is what? It's discipleship. It's community. It's gathering. It's going to dinner with a couple who doesn't know Jesus and not being weird towards them, but just being their friend and knowing that you're going to go on a journey with them. Revival in itself is okay, but the concept of just hoping revival comes and just believing revival comes in your neighborhood isn't going to, I mean, again, we, we've had these these movements thousands and thousands of years now of church movements, of, of, of people saying yes to Jesus and they, they kind of pioneer a movement. And I'm, I'm pro-movement. I think movements are great. The reality is, though, movements in themselves are what? To help us understand it's not that complicated. God is not complicated. He's very simple. You live in a neighborhood, in a city, in a state, in a country. In that layer, in that priority list right there, is your priority list, is your mission field. A lot of people segregate these two things to a personality trait or a calling. And I want to help you think a little differently here. Evangelism, an evangelist, is not the person on the corner screaming Bible verses or standing up in the middle of Chick-fil-A screaming at people to give their life to Jesus. Do I think that's a strategy? Yeah, I mean, you could try it. I don't know. I don't know how the effectiveness of that is. But that in itself, you I don't care what your personality trait is. You are supposed to share the gospel. You might not be able to communicate on a platform. You might not feel called to preach. That's fine. You literally can have coffee with one person or you can share a Bible verse on your Facebook and it will have incredible impact. Evangelism in itself is not a personality trait. It's not like a, a one-off person because we, we look at the five-fold ministry, right? We see evangelist. Evangelist is different than evangelism. We are all called to evangelism. I don't care who you are. If you believe in Jesus, you've given your life to him, you are called to share the gospel. It, it wasn't just for extroverts or people who have an Enneagram 7 and are loud. I don't care who you are. You have a mandate and a commission. So evangelism and missionaries. Do I believe that there's people who are called to go across the world to share the gospel? A hundred percent. I have friends who do that and are incredible. There's organizations that are great. I've been on mission trips myself, but I again want to say 
the effectiveness of that compared to you listening to this, I don't care if it's one person or 10,000, you are a missionary because you have a mission field. Unless you live in a city where 100% of the people are saved, then that's okay, which that literally doesn't exist. You are in a city, in a neighborhood, because you are what? You're a Christian, and God has placed you there for a reason to share his message, not from a corner screaming in a microphone, but through a dinner table, through a coffee, through your smile at work, through your attitude, through your posture, and through you being great. We got we to gotta make ourselves the best. We should have the best designers. We should have the best cold callers. We should have the best insurance agents because we have the spirit of God inside of us who wants to empower us to be great. And it's not a bad thing to chase greatness. You should create, chase greatness. That's your superpower. So that's kind of a long tangent for revival, but I just want to help you think differently because people who sit and hope for revival to come are the people who will not see the greater effectiveness of the gospel being spread if they just took personal ownership of their friends, their family, their coworkers, their peers, their whoever, and share the gospel with them in a practical way through serving them, loving them, and being in the race with them in the long term. Because it's we're in we're in ministry. It's we're in a business a long time. Like if you want to be in this for three years and hope that every person in your family will get saved. We all, we all thought that, right? When we got saved, we were like, man, I can't wait to get my whole family to know Jesus. And the reality is people are people. Everyone has their own idiosyncrasies, their own difficulties, their own trauma. And it's our job to meet the needs of the people in our community. So the essence of revival is okay, but the desire for it to work without us is absolutely worthless. So moving on to vision, I think vision is kind of a hot button topic. I think it's a it's a word that we we use, but we don't actually know what it means. And I want to help you if you are serving in the church, maybe you're a young adult leader or a youth pastor. It is absolutely imperative for you to have a personal vision for yourself and for your family for the future of what God's called you to do. In my experience, God will give you a glimpse of your future. It's how he works. And that only happens in hours, not minutes, right? Or seconds. You need to spend time with him. You need to sit with him. You need to understand what you are graced for because vision fuels us. It fuels me and it should fuel you. Nothing worse than meeting somebody who doesn't understand or doesn't have clarity on what they're supposed to do. It's kind of scary, right? Like, hey man, what do you want to do in the future? I love this question, by the way. This is a great discipleship question. What role or what thing do you feel like you're called to do next in our church? What position do you want next? And that's not bad. We, we we always say these things that are like, oh, don't titles don't matter, and that'll be coming up here soon. But it's like there's a desire in people to to want more. Like, hey man. And the people who don't, that's okay. Right? This the the parable of the sower. But we need to help people see their gifts and not let them bury them. Because when they bury, they die and they get what? They move to other people. God will place giftings in you and it'll place a vision inside of you. It's your job to take it day by day and become who he's desired you to be. So we know in scripture without vision, people perish. And there's a corporate corporate side of this too. If you're a leader and you're not sharing vision to people, they're going to perish. They're going to cast off restraint as scripture says. They're going to leave you. 
And nothing worse than having great ideas with no people behind you. You're not a leader if you don't have people following you. A leader without people, that doesn't make any sense. Who are you? You're leading yourself. I understand that. But even if you're just leading one person, that is leading somebody. And you have to have vision for people. Vision for yourself, but also vision for your church. Maybe vision for your group. Maybe vision for your team. It doesn't matter. And again, that takes hours, not minutes. You need to sit with a journal. And this this takes a lot of self-awareness, to be honest. And if you're a self-aware person, that means you are right on track to being an incredible leader, builder, a planter, whatever. But you need to have a, a vision so much so that that should be a desire yours to understand what God has called you to do. And from my experience anyways, again, this is all just my recommendations experience. You can take it or you don't have to. That's okay. I just want to help bring some clarity to you. But vision is something that naturally is gr- you are graced for. It shouldn't be something that you have to chase so hard. It's actually, again, it's kind of that track track illustration where we're running and the wind is in our face. It's like your time's going to be slower. It's a little harder work. And you got to you gotta know the discernment between is this the enemy trying to attack my my calling or is this me trying to attack my calling? Because many times we try to attack our calling based on a lack of self-awareness because we don't actually know what we're gifted in. So you got to know who your audience is. Like who has God called me to preach the gospel to? Is it believers? Is it, like I said, we're all called to reach new people who don't know Jesus, but you will tend to, you will tend to have people that you connect with easier. And those are the people that God has desired you to be a part of. So you need to have a vision, have a vision for your life, have a vision for your marriage, have a vision for your kids, have a vision for yourself, the things that you see in the future. And this isn't, this isn't speaking it into existence. This isn't manifesting. That is a complete other podcast. Like it takes work. Whatever God's called you to do, he's called you to do it. And it's going to be hard. It's hard work. Building God's kingdom is hard work. What, what did you think you signed up for? This isn't nine to five job where you think it's just like sunshines and rainbows. This is the hardest thing on the planet. Read the New Testament. Paul's literally in prison talking about how good God is. And he's using it as an opportunity to share the gospel and to preach. I'm locked in this cell with you. You can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere. You're going to hear this message. And that's us. We shouldn't complain about our situation. We couldn't be sit in this like pity party of, oh my gosh, it's so hard. Yeah, it is. And that's incredible. What a, what a blessing, right? What a blessing it is to share the message of Jesus with his people. So have a vision for yourself or your future or your teams and help them see that. When you help other people see the vision inside of them and help them kind of peel off the layers inside their eye, their heart or their eyes to see their future, that's when you produce brilliant leaders who will follow you anywhere on the planet. The last couple of things here, church hurt. This is, again, this is a bigger, bigger subject, and I'm just kind of giving you some higher level thoughts here on this pod. But we, from my experience anyways, we go one of two ways. We either are so overly apathetic, not even empathetic, that we blame church hurt on a lot of things. Or on the other side, we're naive to it. And I don't think we should be naive to it. I don't think we should run over people to get to where we're supposed to be. People have been hurt by the church. And you see this all the time, right? Like the church didn't hurt you. That was the people. 
what does that even mean? Because those people are the same people who will post on Facebook, the church isn't a building, the church is the people. And that in itself isn't doing anything, isn't building God's house, isn't bringing more people to your church. It isn't. Those things, just, they're just like things we say that we don't actually know what they mean. But well, let's not run over people. Like people are nasty. People are hurt. People have trauma, like I've said. And for us to execute our mission without people isn't the way God has desired it to be. Think about this. Jesus picked 12, right? The disciples didn't pick Jesus. Jesus picked his disciples. That's a whole nother leadership thought right there. But he picked these guys. Name one of them who was a profound theologian who went to seminary or a Levite or in those times, any of the ites, right? The, Can the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the whatever, the Levites. He didn't pick any of them. He picked normal people who were willing to follow him. There was a willingness and a desire. And through the three-year journey of walking with Jesus, they actually saw what it could be if the mission of the gospel spreads. Keep in mind, he hadn't resurrected yet. So all the things he was saying 2,000 years ago, we get it because it's just been a, it's been a, a cultural thing. And it's a truth for us to see the other side of the resurrection. But before the resurrection, it's like, dude, this guy's kind of weird. They put down their poles. They left their families. They left their kids. And they followed this guy. And when he gets crucified, what happens? None of them were with him. They're hurt. They're like, this guy lied to me. This guy made me do this. Oh, my God. I, I quit my job for three years. And now the guy died. And he was lying to me. And he resurrects three days later. And they're like, oh, brother. He was right. And there's a point that we see Peter, right? He goes back to his vocation. He goes back to being a fisherman. And Jesus is on the sand, sand shore making some breakfast, making some pancakes. Let's go. And they have this conversation of Peter knowing, man, I was, I was hurt. But the reality was I didn't have the right mindset because I didn't understand what was coming. So if you've been hurt by the church, just know you're not alone. But that does not give us the right to leave God's church, to leave God's bride, to forsake the gathering of believers. It doesn't. And that's, that's if you believe in Jesus. If you don't believe in Jesus, this won't make any sense to you, right? But if you are a believer and you've been hurt by the church, I'm sorry, I've been hurt by the church. I, I would assume we all have. Whether we share that or not is a different story. But I want to help you. You might have had, like, I've had so many bad experiences at B-dubs. Like, my wife and I go every Thursday. I wouldn't get one free. Sometimes it's bad wings. The server's horrible. The drinks are no ice in it, whatever. But you know where you're going to see me on a Thursday? You're going to see me at Buffalo Wild Wings. Because I love the bigger picture. I love going. And my experiences, the good outweighs the bad. I've had a bad experiences. But I keep going back because I know. I love the food, I love the environment, I love watching sports, and I love hanging out with my wife. With the church, you might have had a bad experiences. Like I said at the beginning, you can find a new church. There's other churches in your city that you will love. And, and, and it takes shopping. You had to shop for what you want. And if you have been to 20 churches and all of them suck, it's probably not them. It's probably you. It's probably a you thing. And we'll go into the, in that with a different podcast. But you... 
and if you're a leader listening to this, do not run over people to get to the mission field or to to fulfill what you feel like God's called you to do. We don't run over people to get to the goal. The people are the goal. If you are in ministry, the people are your mission field. The people, not just the lost people, not just the people that you work with, and you're just like serving on a team. It's the people that are looking to you for them to look through and see your life and the bigger picture of your life and say, I want that guy's future. I want that guy what he has. And that's not a bad thing. There's people who are following you right now and they're seeing the incredible things God is doing through you and they're trying to figure out how they can do that. And you're just going to run over them. You're going to hurt them. You're going to call them names. You're going to make them feel bad for not having the capacity they had. It's just not, it's just ridiculous, right? So don't run over people. We don't want to take process over people. People are our priority. They're a mission field. They're our goal. And the last one I want to highlight super quick, titles, titles in the church. They matter and they also don't matter. I saw a post a couple of days ago and this guy was talking about how Gen Z doesn't care about titles. That doesn't matter. Like Gen Z doesn't care about a lot of things. I'm, I'm Gen Z. Generation Alpha doesn't care about a lot of things. It doesn't, that doesn't make it not important of uh, a opinion or something that we don't like. And you don't want to put blanket statements over a whole generation because there's people who do like titles. Like every single bio literally has their titles of maybe they don't even know Jesus, but there's a title. So a title brings clarity and context to what somebody's doing. When it, it's unhealthy, when the title becomes an identity, a title is just clarity. Name one job where you don't have a position description with a title. That would be what? You would be lost. You'd have no idea what you're doing. So having clarity of that will bring context to what you're supposed to do. And it's, just, and it's not a long-term thing. Maybe you're a cult caller. You're a BDR. That's what you are today. That's not who you are. It's not like your identity. It's just your position. It's what you do. So titles do matter because they bring context and clarity to what you're supposed to be doing. That's, I should be obvious, right? But there's people who say, and I've also gathered this. The people who say titles don't matter are the people who've never had a title. And they're so insecure about not having one that that's all they care about is making sure other people don't have a title. So it's like, oh my gosh, I can't do this because what if they get it and I don't? And it's like, dude, that's not, that's not how this works. Don't put your insecurities on a whole generation or label people. It's ridiculous. So those are some just random thoughts. I hope that at least one of these things brought some clarity to you, some fun on this Friday. So I thank you so much. We're going to have episodes every single week, like I said. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Maybe give it a rating if you can. That would mean a lot to me. We're going to continue to put out this information for you to be able to listen to, to chew, chew the meat, spit out the bones. Again, this is all just perspectives. There'll be times where it's absolute truth. We talk about scripture. But again, these are just observations from me. This is a conversation from me to you. Really, it's like a dialogue or a monologue, however you want to say it. But I want to thank you so much for listening to this. And if you're on YouTube, thank you for watching this. It's super incredible to me that you would take your time to listen to this. So we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.